Do please sit. And please turn in your Bibles to the reading that we had a few moments ago. 2 Timothy, chapter 2, and beginning at verse 20. It's on page 1196. Well, if you were listening to that reading or following it, I know what some of you are thinking. Only some of you, mind you. Yeah, this is boring. It's Paul to Timothy. Do this, be that, don't do the other. And then Hillary said... uh, which isn't quite the way she put it, but I sort of feel a Scottish accent coming on to do this bit. Flee the evil desires of youth. And oh ho, you thought to yourself, this, could, this might get interesting. Could even be exciting. Well, let's pray for a moment and uh, find out. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that your word doesn't always leave us at the top of the roller coaster of excitement. But we pray that because we've been in touch with your word uh, this evening, as well as held in our hands the signs of your word, you would take us deeper into the character of Jesus and may he be formed more fully in us, we pray. Amen. If I'm honest, I've got a little bit bored with 2 Timothy as we've gone along, slightly to my surprise. I'm not easily seeing here the joy of the gospel, the thrill of following Jesus. But this evening's reading has put me back in touch with some of that. In a bit of a roundabout way, though. So tonight is really for any of the rest of you who may have found out that After the images of the soldier and the athlete earlier on, this letter's gone just a little bit flat. But in itself, of course, that tells us something, that we long for excitement. I know I've mentioned before about the the introduction to the Christian life that I've got as, as four slim books, each of which has a really edgy sport on the front of it windsurfing, skiing, and so on. And they have absolutely no connection, as far as I can tell, to the inside contents. But I think that matters. We live in a world that measures itself by excitement, that invents wilder and wilder ways of ending your life having fun. And if we address that world with a message that says, come to Jesus and be boring there won't be a lot of conversions. If we try to pretend, like those books do, that actually it's, about all, it's all about excitement, but actually when you get onto the inside and away from the front cover pictures, it is still pretty boring, there still won't be a lot of conversions. So as far as tonight is concerned, I want to say, hang on in there, there's good stuff coming. But we begin with chamber pots, potties, bedpans, and commodes. 
Verse 20. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes and some for ignoble. It's not very difficult, is it, to recognize that, yes, probably in our houses, they're big enough that we've got different kinds of things. We've got some things made very finely, others pretty basic. They're not bad things. Uh, the, the, the sort of sense of this uh, odd word here, ignoble, in verse 20, is a perfectly ordinary and necessary thing to help us do our necessary things. They're necessary. It's just that some things are beautiful and some things are base. And verse 21 explains what Paul wants to do with it all. There's an idea. Cleanse yourselves from this ignoble quality, from being used for low purposes, in order to be used for higher ones. In what way? Well, we get a sense that we're to be, according to verse 21, we're to become made for noble purposes, we're to be made holy. It's a word from uh, the religion uh, of the time, set apart for a, a holy, a, a different purpose for God to use. We're supposed to be useful to the master. We're back with the household again. The master of the house wants things that are useful to him around the place. And prepared, verse 21 again, for any good work. Whether you think about the religious sphere or the domestic one or the working life, in any of those, we are to be wholly available to this God. And I want you to notice one thing. At the beginning of verse 21, this is going to be important later too. If a man cleanses himself, it's quite clear there that you are able to make this change. You should make this change. It may be that you find appealing, perhaps a spiritual setting or a domestic one or a, a hard work one, doesn't matter. Wherever you may be placed, be completely available and you will have become beautiful. You will have become the gold and the silver in the large house, not just the wood and the clay. Well, that's fairly straightforward. So we come to the verse that you may have noticed, flee the evil desires of youth. And some of you will have been hoping that you are finally going to get to hear what to do with all those evil desires. Some of you are suddenly afraid that you'll get to hear what to do with your evil desires. Uh, that you may be quite fond of. Uh, both responses are probably wrong. I'm all in favour of dealing with awkward topics like money and sex and power, but it really doesn't look like this is about any of those. And that's because of what follows. Look what you're supposed to do instead. You're supposed to flee these evil desires or passions, it would be as another way of putting it. And you're supposed to pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with all those who call on God from a pure heart. Now, some of those things face God, 
righteousness, faith. Some of those things face other people. Love, peace. And it's not at all obvious that if those evil desires were about sex, then these things would be what you were recommended to do instead. Or go on into verse 23. Don't argue and quarrel. Well, we know that what's been said before was that there was uh, quarreling about words, verse 14, or godless chatter in verse 16. So it's much more likely that the desires we are to flee are not about sex, but about hot-headedness, quarrelsomeness, pick a cockiness. This whole passage, remember, is about how Timothy is to deal with those who are causing problems, who are opposing him. And he's not to deal with them by being as bolshy as they are. No, he's to pursue righteousness. That means, in this, uh, in this context, it means just pursue what is right, what is just. Pursue faith. What does relying on God look like here for Timothy? Pursue love and peace. What would be most helpful in building up the church and ensuring its peace? Those are the things to aim at, Timothy. And don't uh, allow the fact that you may be young to keep you in the kind of hot-headedness that comes with youth. Now, incidentally, because this is an aside, it's worth reflecting that the Anglican Church has been caught in a conflict this week. And some of the reactions have been horrifying. There are a number of people that could usefully pay attention to verse 22, even though they may themselves be in their 60s. What is going to build up love and peace? There's never an excuse, says this passage, just for letting rip and giving the other person or the other side a piece of your mind without thought to the consequences. Tempting as that may often be. And perhaps that's the key to the business of youth. Younger people tend not to have lived quite long enough to appreciate that everything has consequences. So, says Paul, choose your consequences carefully and think about them. Although when we listen to some of the things going on in the life of the church, we may reasonably believe that older people have got it spectacularly wrong this week too. But back to Paul, don't be argumentative. If he criticizes those who, if he says don't have anything to do, verse 23, with foolish and stupid arguments, he doesn't mean it's okay to have really clever ones. Most wars start with the kind of argument that he's talking about. Most church splits start that way. It's proving unbelievably difficult to get Methodists and Anglicans back together. But the split in the beginning was unbelievably trivial. We could have avoided it. But once the split has happened, once the argument has happened, once the quarrel has taken its course, it's much harder to get things back together than it is to keep them together in the first place. 
And one of the tests here is call on the name of the Lord. Verse 22, uh, flee one set of things, pursue the other set of things, along with all those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And there's a real relationship implied in that, isn't there? You can't call on the Lord unless you have a heart that is uh, in touch with God. And you can't, have a, can't do it unless you have a heart that is clear of irritability and anger with others. Flee those desires then. Instead, verse 24 now, be kind, instructive, able to teach, gentle, not bitter, not resentful. Why? Because what's at stake is the good of the church. Where there's this kind of opposition, and, and Timothy faced it, the response is gentleness because God may yet grant repentance. He is a God of mercy after all. If in a given matter, you personally possess the truth of the gospel to bring into a situation of conflict, then you are not allowed to be arrogant about that truth because part of the truth you possess is that God is a God of mercy. So you have to be merciful. Abraham Lincoln said the best way to destroy an enemy is to make him a friend. And he wasn't wrong. Timothy, instruct the opposition. Pray for them and ask that God will wake them up. Come to their senses, he says, and lead them into the truth. Earlier on, I said, it pointed out that uh, verse 21 says, if a man cleanses himself, you are responsible for the change. But notice here in verse 25 that the emphasis is on what God will do. God will grant repentance. Verse 21, it's all about what you do. Verse 25, it's all about what God does. Both of them are true at the same time. God, Jesus isn't part man and part God, but he's holy God and holy man. Both are true at the same time. And if that doesn't make sense, you say, if you say, find yourself saying, well, how can you be both? I, for me, I always illustrate it by asking uh, someone to consider my children, because I'm married to an American. Which means my children are wholly British and wholly American. We can't say that they are a little bit of each, that the top half is a British and the bottom half is American. I don't know. St. Augustine got his scriptures right when he said, Pray as though it all depends on God. Work as though it all depends on you. So just notice in those very few verses how Paul takes both aspects into account. You must change, but you must also pray that God is at work in changing people. Both are true. Now up to this point so far, I reckon that if we're being even remotely honest we will be saying to ourselves, oh yes, Paul, okay, that's all so far very wise and truthful and loving and right and good, but perhaps just a teeny bit obvious. Tiny bit dull. You may feel bad for feeling that, I certainly do, but it may be there. Well, let's go back for a moment to James and John, who were called the Sons of Thunder. When I read those verses from Mark 10, they were saying, Jesus, yes. And you can imagine that the conversations that have probably already happened with James and John up to this point. 
So that leave Jesus going, what are they going to say now? And they say, Can we? they're like puppies. Can we sit at your right and at your left when you come in glory? And Jesus, no doubt, says, okay, how am I going to explain this? Whatever else you say about James and John, they were never dull. I want to suggest something, and I have to be quite careful. Is it possible that God actually intended quite a bit of the Christian life to be dull? See, the whole letter is only partly about what Timothy must do as activity. But a great deal of it is about the formation of character. And who gets excited about character formation? Well, Paul does. And we come to the last verse, and so much for me of this whole passage hinges hinges on the last verse. Uh, Gently instruct them in the hope that God will grant them repentance and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. And yes, that's picture language to some extent. But what I want you to register is that those caught up in that way, in this style of life, argumentative, hot-headed, they're in the trap of the devil and heading only for hell. But Paul expects that Timothy's role through the exercise of this character of gentle but strong, his role will be to save those lives. And ladies and gentlemen, that's where the excitement comes. So often, pastorally, I encounter people who are bored with their relationship with God because they are trying to find excitement in our own relationship with God. Me and God, me and God, me and God. And there may be excitement there. The conference you went to in the summer, the music you sang, the insight you experienced. But God intends that we discover wild excitement when he allows us to be involved in saving lives. We are lifeboatmen who must pay tiresome attention to the condition of the boat. We are firefighters who must keep in mind and check that our kit is ready. We are soldiers who must exercise again and again to the point of boredom in tiring drills, all so that we might save lives. A great deal of the Christian life is dull. It is not that exciting to become gentler and kinder, less bolshy, less arrogant, than we were yesterday. But there is no thrill like being involved in seeing a life turned round, a life that was heading for hell, and seeing it start to head for heaven. Of course, we have to realize that that is our job. And that's what it means for Timothy to become a vessel for noble purpose, useful to the master. There is no point in any training, any discipline, unless it leads to our risking everything for the sake of winning others who are on the path to hell and seeing them turned round so that they are on the path to heaven. If you're not going to win others, that's not going to be an ambition. Then you may as well carry on being argumentative and trying to find excitement where you're actually not going to find any. The very structure of the way God has built the church from this passage 
seems to be that it's a place where conflict is resolved so that the kingdom can be extended and lives can be saved. So as we finish, my question to you and just as much to me is a simple one. Are you looking for excitement in the right place? Are you trying to squeeze fun and interest out of the spiritual life in places where God may well probably never give them? Are you sort of hoping that you won't have to step out in order to be involved in the saving of lives? Because if you are, forget it. Just look at the way this passage is written. Develop this kind of character, Timothy. Why? So that by your prayers and your work, you will see that others escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. You and I get to save lives. If that bores us, there and there are no words to express how sad that is. But if we try finding interest and fun and excitement in the wrong things before God, then that in its own way is terribly sad. But take that verse, just lurking there, at the end of all this character stuff, seriously, and we will find that saving lives is what matter matters, and the excitement of that is what makes a difference. Let's pray. Let's take a moment of silence and just let me ask this. When were you last involved? Have you ever been involved in seeing a life turn around? Where do you go looking for your spiritual life before God to be interesting and exciting? Lord God, again and again, we fall into the same trap as James and John. They're very excited about the relationship with Jesus And they want to sit at his right and his left. And he says, it's all about what you do for others. So forgive us when we have been uh, so caught up, so uh, wrapped up in a sense of uh, ourselves and you, ourselves and God, and have forgotten the most basic truth of Jesus' life is laying down our lives, laying down our priorities, our hot-headedness, our arrogance, in order to serve others. He did it on the cross, 
And we ask that we might have the courage to do it day by day, to see others turned around and lives saved before you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.